everyone. Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson. Here with me, as always, is the socially distant Brian Gottlieb, you know, practicing some good habits in all that. Last week, we did an episode talking a decent amount about the coronavirus and everything, and it just seemed like, you know, we recorded on Wednesday. That podcast went up on Friday, I believe, and I was already concerned about some of the advice that we were giving and stuff because things had moved so rapidly. Yeah, it was about, I mean, we had two live updates during our podcast where the SCG events and the GP were canceled. That occurred while we were recording. And then it was maybe five hours after we finished when I messaged you and I was like, I'm pretty sure what we just did is already horribly out of date and no longer an accurate representation of the situation. Things happen fast. I think we all have lived a lifetime in the last week. And at some point, I do think we will have a goal to get back to chiefly magic talk. But I wrote about this when I wrote for SCG this week. It just feels disingenuous right now. That is not my primary point of focus. We have woken up to a very different world. And that is what we're going to mostly talk about today. Certainly as it relates to magic, we're going to talk about how... The game is changing and all that good stuff, but a bit of an apology, I guess I'll lead off with. I just can't talk about like the standard metagame this week. It's not going to work for me. Yeah, I'm definitely in the same boat. I, I think that a lot of the stuff that we do is in relation to how people interact with Magic, you know, like whether it's a, a PTQ season or what events are coming up. And this relates to that a lot because with events getting canceled, it's basically just like, I don't know, you if you're socially distancing yourself, if you are somewhat quarantined, if you're doing work from home stuff, if your even your FNMs are getting canceled, you know, like how how do you interact with magic? You need some form of entertainment. I think magic is a, a good source of that and is going to remain that. But what what do we do now? That's what we're going to tell people today. Our, our path going forward, hopefully it will uh, remain relevant for more than a couple hours this time. I mean, basically, I will say I am recording this with the assumption that very soon there will be uh, shelter in place orders for the vast majority of the country. That is kind of how I envision things going at this point. We're not there yet, but major cities are already headed in that direction. San Francisco is there. Rumors that New York will be there soon. I anticipate very similar things here in the Seattle region. So that is where my head is at at this point. I will say that. Yeah. And I mean, regardless of what official orders come down, I mean, getting eight players together for a booster draft is probably not Not the best idea. idea. So again, you know, practice those good habits, continue doing those things. And we have some answers for you. So it's, it is not, you know, completely bleak or anything. And one of the things that you and I started talking about before the cast is just how we've been reaching out to friends a little bit more often in the last week or so than we do generally. And that's, that's kind of hard for us, you know, it's like to break that silence for after like six or 12 months and just to ask how they're, how they're doing, or uh, even to like ask for a favor or share a meme or whatever, like no matter what the reason is, it always just seems really difficult to do that stuff. It, it truly is. And, uh, I am thankful for the people who have reached out to me. I'm trying to practice the same. My buddy Joel reached out to me the other day, and Joel was the first person I ever recorded a magic podcast with many, many years ago. Yeah. You were a guest on our our podcast going back to, I mean, I don't know, 2013, 2014. 
and I hadn't talked to him in months and we reached out, we reconnected. So props to him for getting back in touch with me and I'm trying to do the same. And if you're someone I'm close to, we haven't talked in a while, hit me up. Let's chat. I think that's how we get through this is just reconnecting with the people who matter to us. And it certainly has brought a lot of things in focus. I don't know. I certainly default to a tendency of trying to be like very nihilistic and not lean into those attachments sometimes. And I think there's a, certainly a duality to me. Like sometimes I really feel that way. Other times I long for that connection and I oscillate between the two. But in, in these moments, it's very clear that what matters the most are those connections we've made throughout our lives. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And it it makes me feel good that not only, you know, people are reaching out and wondering how I'm doing, but also like I have this laundry list of people that I can reach out to, you know, and I think we're all kind of going through the same stuff right now. And people want people to talk to. And this is as good a time as any to just, you know, catch up with people that you may have fallen out of touch with. And like, really, we we all probably have a decent amount of free time, or at least like time to talk on the phone while we're also working from home or whatever. So, you know, get it done. It's, it's going to make you feel good. It's going to make them feel good. Yeah, I guess I'll just interject here. And it, this would have come up in our discussion at some point anyway, but this seems like a fine spot. Those of us who don't have free time, doctors, nurses, grocery store workers, people who are working in warehouses and truck drivers and people who are just putting themselves at risk to keep the world moving right now, y'all are some goddamn heroes and props to you. Thank you for doing what has to be done and letting our world continue to function despite uh, the dangers. And I don't think these people are getting enough respect at this point. I am in a position, obviously, as a magic content creator where it's very easy to sit in my house and uh, my wife similarly can work from home. But a lot of people don't have that luxury and a lot yep. of people maybe could take that luxury and are choosing not to. And you have to give props to the people who are working really hard to keep things moving. No, absolutely. I mean, you you said it best. They are heroes, straight up. I mean, no one else is doing what they're doing. And a lot of these people are uniquely qualified to provide those things that we need right now and are willing to make a fairly risky sacrifice, you know, to continue doing that sort of thing. So I, I do appreciate it. I don't think that, you know, people get enough thanks in any profession that they have really, but sure. in, in this, in this time, especially, I mean, we just know that we do appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing that I saw about things that were going on locally in my community was that a lot of animal shelters were trying to close down because it's like they have a high volume traffic of people and they're trying to get uh, like all, all the pets in foster homes or adopted or whatever. So I am now a cat owner again. That is fantastic news. Tell us more about this cat. Well, I got two cats because okay. <laughs> they, they need friends. And right. One's not enough. It's it's really not. It's like one one cat is for me, right? But like, what do you do for the other cat, right? So, sure. uh, I got I got two cats. I picked them up the other day. Uh, they had both gotten spayed and neutered. Uh, so one one male, one female, and one's about three years old. The other's about two years old. They don't actually know. And I, yeah, I was hoping that maybe they're like young enough or social enough that they would be able to 
get along. Maybe they've been used to being around other cats. And like one of them is just super curious, very high energy, also maybe kind of dumb, but like does not care about the other cat whatsoever. It's just like, oh, this is another thing. Cool. And the other one is just like, yo, back off. This is, you know, this wild new situation. I'm super anxious. And this other cat being here is not making things any better. So we currently have them separated in other rooms and are like slowly trying to introduce them to each other. And I was a a little late showing up to the podcast because I had a cat on my lap. (laughs) That is entirely acceptable. One of the best reasons to be late for the podcast. I hope they get to the place where they're comfortable with each other. I know that can always be a stressful experience at first, but I am confident all the love in your household will extend to these cats and they will find a way to bond. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not going anywhere uh, for the foreseeable future. And I just, I, I felt so bad, you know, like it, it's not just people suffering. Like obviously these, these animals True. suffer a decent amount too. And it was just like, there's, there's just no reason for me to not adopt at this point. You know, uh, I, I knew that I wanted to, as soon as maybe like my travel settled down or whatever. And I thought that I was leaving at the end of the month for the Hunter Burton, which got rescheduled to August. So I was just like, yeah, this is, this is perfect timing. And you know, these, these cats need to get saved. So I did my part. Awesome. Happy to hear it. What are their names, by the way? Ren and Nora. Not Ren and Six. Interesting. No. Uh, they are... See, if you had stuck with it and actually finished Ruby, you would know Did that not. they're characters from Ruby. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they're they're in season one. They're just like not super main characters. At that yeah. Ren, Ren strikes me as a familiar name from Ruby, but I think I made it to season two. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I you you saw them, but yeah, I mean, they're they introduced like... 20 characters or whatever in season one. So I don't expect you to remember all the names or anything. And it is a very popular ship from the series and they currently don't like each other. And also their personalities are kind of reversed, but it's, it's fine. Everything's going to be good. Perfect. Sounds good. But yeah, so far, so far it has been awesome. Basically alternate rooms, like spending time with them and everything. And they're, they're both super affectionate, super cuddly. And I love it. Is there a way to do like, a soft introduction. Like I know my brother, when he moved in with his girlfriend, she had a cat, he had a cat and they didn't like each other at first. And I stayed at his house a few months ago and he had just moved in. So they were still getting used to each other, but they had like a baby gate designed to separate the two cats, but they would occasionally go and just like playfully paw through the gate at each other. And it seemed like that was the first steps in them, like kind of getting used to each other. Yeah. So we, we kind of did that when we got him, we got him back to the house and Ren is, you know, the, the curious doesn't give a shit playful one. And so he's like going up to Nora and he's just like, yeah, what's up? And Nora's just like hissing, backing off, whatever. So he, he wants to, he's actually like at my feet right now. (laughs) What's up, buddy? Yeah. I haven't let him in my office yet. So now he's like, oh, what's this microphone? You know, what's this this computer? Right. Uh, So he just goes up to her, just doesn't care. And she like, basically, if she wants to come up to him, that's cool. But like, I would not let Ren just like go up to her because it just makes her like anxious and stuff. So we did kind of that sort of soft introduction. And now it's about just like having them switch rooms, get used to each other's smells. Like if they're laying on a particular blanket or whatever, you just exchange that to just make it feel like okay, this smell is normal, right? Mm -hmm. And then try and do more of those soft introductions and see how they go. Perfect. Well, I'll be expecting cat updates as the weeks press on. 
Yeah, I've I've been trying to get like some good pictures and I have uh, a decent amount, but it's it's also kind of weird because like they're all sort of in hyper mode where they're just like walking around exploring and it's, <laughs> never sitting still. Yeah. So I, I have some pictures of like me and Ren sleeping together. And when I go up to Nora's room, I just like lay on the ground and she climbs on my chest and just kind of chills there for a little bit, but it doesn't make for a good, you know, photo op. So <laughs> right. there'll be time for that soon though. Soon. I, I, wa- I want them to be friends. And then I want to like, you know, post pictures on Twitter and stuff. And I feel like so many people are just like, yo, show me cute pictures. Like this is going to make me feel better. And I want to contribute to that too. Yeah. Good time for that. Anyway. So that's, that's what I've been doing. Reaching out to people, getting these pets and mostly just kind of chilling, trying to figure out what to do as far as content creation. And, you know, I I don't know if I'm going to have a job in like a month or two months, six months, whatever. So we're just kind of playing it by ear. Yeah. That's all. That's all we can do. I appreciate everyone who continues to support magic content creation. It means a lot to us and a bunch of other people. I also understand the realities of the situation. And if you are losing your job or, you know, seeing a significant reduction in hours or have just a lot of uncertainty in your life, as many people will, I I know magic will not be the priority for many people. And, uh, you know, certainly Hasbro share price reflecting that (laughs) presently, uh, not doing all that well. So I, I don't know. It's going to be weird times for magic, but I will just take this moment to say I appreciate all of you who have continued to support what we do. And I am also understanding of the plight that you are currently facing. Same. And, you know, we started with a competitive magic podcast, but realistically, we we had like an audience and a following and we wanted to provide value to those people. And I think in the last three years or so, we've done a good job of that. And this always just kind of like terrorizes my brain where it's like, what, what could I be doing, you know, better or more or whatever? Like, what do people actually want? What would actually help people? And in this instance, you know, standard metagame talk, I don't think really helps a ton of people. So yeah, we're, we're just doing this show talking about how magic, I think is still going to be a very important part of a lot of people's lives, but maybe not like the grinding and, the pro tour aspect. And like, we certainly care about those things and we think that there are paths to those things and we are going to talk about them. But I think I've been seeing like a dramatic shift for like the way that people interact with magic and people are also just like wondering what they should be doing. And I don't know, like I said, y'all, y'all need to entertain yourselves and magic is super deep, has a bunch of different formats. There are a lot of ways to do that. There are a lot of ways to do that and still feel like you're doing something competitive and I want to explore those things. Sure. So first and foremost, one of the things that we basically always talked about is spending your time wisely. And if you don't have any sort of large tournament coming up that you need to prep for as far as like a PTQ on Magic Online or Arena or Mythic Point Challenges, anything like that, this is a perfect time to be working on things like fundamentals and widening your range. Yeah, it's a lot of freedom. And you're kind of removed from the schedule right now, especially, you know, if you were someone who was competing very hard on the SCG tour, or you were just out there in your local area trying to catch a PTQ win every single weekend, not an option presently. So you're going to have to find 
new ways to fill that magic time, the best way to do so, I think, is just doing things that you're uncomfortable with. And the great thing about being uncomfortable with something is it means you have a ton of potential learning to do. Those are the situations where you can grow the most is when you're uncomfortable. So if you are burn person, it's time to be control person for a little while. If you are legacy master, it's time to dip your toes in draft and figure that stage of the game out because they are all connected. And I credit limited play so much with making me grow as a deck builder. Like I think it informs everything I do in the constructed space, as well as just making my combat better, which is an aspect of my game I struggled with for a very long time. So uh, the limited fundamentals are a huge, huge part of my growth rate. And if that's something that usually isn't your bread and butter, this is a fine opportunity to check it out. Yeah, sealed for deck building purposes matters a lot. I think it it does. It does teach you a lot. And that will be a PTQ format at some point, I would imagine. Uh, So, you know, that's that's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, I I have always kind of slacked on the preparation aspect for this. And now it's time to actually do that and learn that format and have fun doing something that you wouldn't normally spend your time doing. And as far as limited in general, helping you with combat. Yeah, it, it matters a lot. And maybe it's not super relevant for this specific standard environment, but there are situations certainly that come up where it's like, okay, how do I actually divvy my team to like attack their planeswalker? When should I actively be trying to turn the corner and start applying pressure? Stuff like that. Limited teaches you a lot of that stuff. In particular, I'll point to the Popper Cube. I think it's going down now for the Vintage Cube, which is kind of its own thing. But the Popper Cube, I played it a bit this week. actually enjoyed it quite a bit. And I've had issues with Popper Cubes in the past. The one that was on Magic Online seemed to be particularly well-designed. But Popper Cubes generally devolve into a bunch of two-for-ones and like super grindy games. But this one had a good amount of closing power built into it, I thought. And it was really important to understand when to turn the corner and start asserting your aggressive game plan. And it that kind of play translates super well to things like fairy style decks or any kind of deck, which is just like, you know, tread water, tread water, tread water. All right, slam the door shut. I had that play pattern come up over and over and over in the limited cube as I played it this week. Just one example of how limited can really inform what you're doing on the constructed side of things. Yeah, and a good example of that in standard right now is just like any sort of Simic deck, really. Not, not necessarily right. the more controlling Bant ones, but... Any uh, Simic flash deck or Clover uh, setups, ev- yeah, Clover for oh Clover for sure because that that deck is you know ace at figuring out when to turn the corner right. And Nissa, I think, is another good card that kind of plays to that pattern. Yeah, you have to look for the analogs and you have to understand when the analogs are happening. Like, take those moments as well. Don't just assume that these situations are going to present themselves as obvious to you take a moment to think about what's actually happening in the game and how it reflects on other scenarios and even just making those links like being like this is similar to a situation i faced when i was playing mono red and standard or this is similar to the setup phase of jeskai fires making those connections will inform you in the future because then you're going to recognize them that much more quickly when you move on to a new archetype that we haven't even envisioned yet yeah, exactly. And that that's why widening your range really helps because there are a lot of things that you can learn that are transferable and applicable in other archetypes or even just in certain matchups. Very true. 
And I guess this is a fine point. Like maybe I'm jumping out of order a little bit. And I think- No, that's fine. This is a really nice point to interject with Magic Online is not what it used to be. Ostensibly, these rental services have stepped in and created Magic Online as a rental service. Like to me, that is just what this program is now. And you can argue that maybe Wizard should have done it themselves at some point and whatever. That's besides the point. It does exist in this fashion right now. We are supported by Card Hoarder. I am extremely impressed with their response to everything that's going on right now. They put out a really thoughtful statement how players can pause their accounts, how there's even free rental available for existing players. It it was a very nice response from an entirely online company to what is happening right now. So I want to give props to them and also point out that they do sponsor us and uh, have hooked us up with some accounts, but they have changed the way I interact with Magic Online. And as I said, I recognize times could be tough right now, but if you are still with some disposable income to invest into Magic, I really advise looking at these rental accounts because you can just jump across formats. You can go play Legacy at no cost to building a Legacy deck. You can experiment with all the modern and pioneer decks. You can just run through a gauntlet and be like, okay, this is actually the deck I love. Uh, It really has become more of a rental service than ever for Magic Online. And I encourage you to explore that in this time where you probably have some free time. Yeah, and in a time where people don't necessarily have a ton of disposable income, I think it is the way to go about it rather than trying to juggle a second collection. And obviously if you have a magic online collection, you've been playing for a long time or whatever, you know, feel free to keep using that and keep doing that. But realistically we we've gotten a lot of questions from people who are like, okay, I used to play paper all the time. Now what do I do? And I think honestly that magic online through some sort of rental service is the best way to go about it. It it just makes everything so easy. And especially, you know, trying to make content or, just being like, oh, I saw this 5-0 to League and I want to try it. it. It just makes it so easy to not have to get like all the obscure cards and stuff like that. And also because of the rental services, I think to some degree, like the economy on Magic Online is pretty wacky at the moment. Oh, where, it's weird. Yeah, there's some really expensive stuff. Yeah, I was looking into arbitrage opportunities for War of the Spark Boosters. I don't think it's actually worth it, but... So like Teferi 70, Karn is 40, Jace, Wielder of Mysteries is almost 20. And then there are a couple Mythics that are 15. And it was like, okay, well, like a lot of those cards are rare. So I did a lot of the math on like, okay, if I bought, you know, like a box or a case, am I able to get my money back and then some or whatever? And the numbers for singles and selling those didn't look great, but you can buy packs in the store for $4 and then sell them to a bot for like 4.8 something. And I don't think that they're going to buy all of your packs at 4.8 or whatever. But like, if you're just looking to get tickets, I think that that is a reasonable thing you could look into. Yeah. One of the things about the way the economy is set up now is that the bots all have like sell limits built into them where they automatically bring the prices down, which didn't used to be the case. It's very interesting how the market has evolved and become more sophisticated over time, certainly to the benefit of these bots, because it was pretty easy to just basically have infinite tickets before if you were willing to put the time in. And that has been closed down to some extent, but there's usually opportunities like you're mentioning. And if you're just getting started with Magic Online and need some tickets, maybe the War of the Spark thing is a fine place to start. Yeah, now it's like you buy four boosters from the store for $16. You go to sell them to a bot for like 20 tickets. And the next time you try and sell War of the Spark boosters to them, they're like, 
you know, 10 cents lower or whatever. So it just means that they don't get hammered on things like that. So you're only going to be able to do it in small quantities and stuff like that. But like, you know, if you wanted to just spend like 20 bucks on magic online to get a tournament entry or something, that might be a good way to do it. Play a little cube. Good way to find finance your cube. Oh yeah. Yep. There you go. And just go infinite from there, obviously. Sure. The other big way to interact with magic, if you're not really trying to focus on learning is just entertainment. And, you know, we talked about cube a decent amount, but the good thing about a lot of this too, is that there are lessons that you can transfer from format to format. And like you talked about with the popper cube, it's like, well, that that's going to teach you a lot about combat, you know? So you can play these things while just being like, I need to kill three hours. You know, I just need to relax my mind a little bit, but you can also be thinking about like, oh, what did I learn after all this is said and done? You can both entertain yourself and grow stronger. Yeah, it's nice to have a shutoff valve in something that is very familiar to you. And I think uh, if you are someone who hasn't really dabbled in online magic and is just looking for a replacement to fill your time and get some uh, entertainment value, I would look at some of these more obscure formats, particularly Vintage Cube coming online on Magic Online is a great way to go and generally pretty affordable if you are okay at it. But there's also the non-traditional forms of Magic that you may already have the supplies for. If you are just a regular arena player, you could do the Brawl stuff. You could dabble in Historic a little bit, which is a format that mostly remains uh, unexplored and untouched. And occasionally we get folks over on the Arena Deckless account asking us about it. And honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that I know that they're working on Pioneer for Arena, I would be more invested in figuring out Historic and diving in deep. But it sort of feels like a stopgap to me. And that's why I haven't put in the time thus far. But there are some cool features to the format. Those unique cards that they added as build arounds, they do, they do something unique. Yeah, it, it does look like a thing that I'll get interested in it at some point because it's like, oh, Crypt Breaker, Knight of the Reliquary, like these are all cool cards that I would like to play in a low-powered format and they don't necessarily translate super well to Pioneer and they're a little too slow for things like Modern. So Historic definitely kind of hits me in a sweet spot, especially with them adding those unique cards. So I will definitely go down that path at some point. I just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I feel similar. I think what's going to happen is someone's just going to tweet a deck and I'm going to be like, oh, I have to play that one. And it may spiral from there. It may not. It may just be a quick dalliance, but it shouldn't take much to get a historic deck up and running. I think I have just about every card on Arena and I would just have to fill in with those packs uh, of the unique cards that have been released. Yeah, and the the Brawl Cube or the Brawl Queue is no longer Wednesday only. Uh, that oh, is, is that uh, true? Yeah, that, so that's that's up for now. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I think that that is cool too. Yeah, I I hope it stays that way. I I honestly think Me the too. decision is is was pretty silly in the first place, but whatever. We're at the right pl- place now. People should be free to play Brawl, especially during this time. Yeah, because asking people to invest in a format for one day a week, and you know, people have lives, they have plans, they don't necessarily get to just like scratch every Wednesday off their calendar to sit down and play brawl because that's the only time it's available. Now it is available. And again, I don't know for how long, so maybe you're better off maybe not investing super hard in the format or whatever. But if you want to go kind of deep in it, now's the time. 
Yeah, one of the things about Braille too is I think it's pretty easy to like often when I was building Brawl decks, I would have too many cards and be making some yes. cuts that felt pretty arbitrary and I didn't really have a strong sense of whether I was supposed to be playing one card or not. So if your collection isn't fully formed, there's a good chance you probably still have a very good Brawl deck to put together. Likely. And I mean, this was when we were building decks before Theros too, and Theros added a bunch of cool cards to the mix too. For sure. So yeah, that that is that was never my concern. Is like, oh, getting the sixty cards for my brawl deck. That when when brawl got announced, that was actually a concern. Uh, but now there are just so many playable cards getting printed that it it just doesn't matter. You end up with like eighty to hundred cards and have to cut it down from there. Right. With with no rare left behind, when when every rare is interesting, you will find enough brawl cards to play without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that you can do with your time is start creating content. It doesn't necessarily have to come with an end goal in mind you know maybe you're not trying to make this your career or provide some sort of value to people it's just like i want to do something that is somewhat social so maybe i want to start streaming or doing a podcast and just having a reason to connect with a friend on a weekly basis or whatever and uh, zencaster the program we use to record is i i believe now free they were free when we started and then they started charging like $20 a month or something like that. And now they've opened it back up again because of Corona. Love to see that. And I can't recommend making content enough. Certainly when I started doing this, zero expectations that I would ever be doing it as a career. I just love magic and wanted to talk about it. And it was a great way to connect with my friends and have a chat every week. And then Turns out you kind of showed up and handed me this career on a silver platter, which, you know, you, you take those. It's nice when it happens. You never know where it's going to lead you. And you don't have to have those visions in mind if you just want to talk about magic. Go out there and do something. I guess I will also point out, too, that if you are in a position where you have shifted to this as your primary form of income and I can help you with that, you should let me know. I, I am very willing to help people in this space. Uh, I, I imagine you feel very much the same, Jerry. And I put that out earlier this week. If you just want to chat, get some advice. If you want to have me on your cast, if you want to talk about ways to get through this, I am down for all of that. And uh, in fact, I am currently in the process of getting ready to appear on an EDH cast, Jerry. Which one? I'm not going to say yet because it's not locked, but as soon as it's locked, okay. I'll certainly let everyone know. And once that is happening, you can check out my thoughts on EDH. Dude, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I was certainly straightforward that I know very little about the format, but they are interested in it and I am happy to help out. I, I think it's important that we all lift each other up in these times and happy to do so. Yeah. As, as far as content creation goes in general, I am, again, just going to echo the things that you said where I am down to help people and give them advice uh, You know, through our website, arenadeckless.gg. We, like, we gave a platform to some aspiring content creators and everything. And I think that was really cool. And I have an article that is mostly done about basically how I go about doing things as far as like what sort of topics am I selecting and why? And basically just the things I was talking about earlier, where it's like, how do you bring the most value to your audience? So I think about stuff like that a lot. And then the command zone did a more, uh, I don't know, just 
useful, I suppose, episode of like being a content creator where they talked about like the sort of equipment that you want to have. And before you get, I don't know, just super deflated about like, oh yeah, I need to buy equipment and stuff. Like they give you a lot of very reasonable budget options too. Like you do not need super high quality microphones and things like that nature. Like you just don't. You're, you're certainly, certainly not to start. Definitely. No. Not. Yeah. Your, your content is going to be completely fine with like a, a $50, like mic camera thing, you know, it, it's yep. not a huge deal. Uh, so definitely check out command zone. It, it's something about content creation. I forget the exact title, but uh, there, there are also like plenty of other content creators have who have released similar things and they all kind of cover different things too. So you can get like, a pretty wide swath of ideas and, you know, start to formulate a plan and figure out kind of what you want to do. Yeah. Even in our discord, there's tons of content creators in our discord and people are often very willing to help out with any issues you might be facing. So. Yep. Streaming is another fairly low opportunity cost way to create content. If you don't want to do like the podcast thing, because you know, it's like we record the episode and then we send it to an editor. You can try and edit it yourself, but I feel like I'm too like incapable of figuring out how to do that. I don't know. It's just like, does it's not a thing that like meshes with my brain and how it works. So we have someone else do it, but like you have to do that. You have to post it somewhere. You have to figure out how to kind of like market it and advertise it and get it out to people. So it's, it's kind of just like a lot of administrative work, whereas streaming, you, you kind of just click go and then you play, you know, but you can also just, start watching other people's streams and become a part of their community and interact with their streamers and and stuff like that. And I think that that is a good way again, to just like kind of be social while being at home, you know, by yourself or your roommates, your family, whatever. Yes. So I expect that people who have followed our content for a long period of time know about my tumultuous relationship with streaming and it often seems like something I want to do. And then the actuality of doing it sets in. And it is sometimes a bit much for my social interactions and my ability to stay focused for that long of a period of time. It doesn't seem like it quite checks the boxes. But I will say that I'm thinking about getting back into it just in terms of connecting with people and having some social interactions for a while. So don't be surprised if you see me pop up on stream. It'll certainly be more entertainment, less hard focus on grinding and climbing. And maybe I even I'll do something besides magic. I've played a lot of battlegrounds lately. I could see myself streaming that. But like you said, I think it's value right now comes from fostering a community and just connecting with your friends again. Yeah. And I mean, I got a switch capture card a while ago and obviously have not used that, but I, I, I got it because I wanted to, you know, I, I thought that it would be cool to just like you know, do raids with random people on the internet in Pokemon and stuff like that. So I I do want to stream. I currently don't have internet set up in my office because it's, it's complicated. And again, like technology and me don't necessarily mix all that well. So I'm, I'm trying my best. Uh, I think I have a charity tournament this weekend that's sort of being run by like uh, Eric Johnson and Todd Anderson and, I believe I'm expected to stream that. So hopefully we'll get that set up by then. Yeah. Also going to be helping Todd out with his endeavors. Not quite sure what I'm doing yet in regards to that, but Todd trying to raise some money for coronavirus with the Pioneer Tournament this weekend. We'll both be trying to help him out with that. 
Yeah, and there are a decent amount of these community-run tournaments popping up too. So if you want to do something competitive that also serves like a, a greater goal, I think that you should try and pop into these things when possible. I know that uh, Pascal Maynard was posting about one. Lotus Box was doing one. Todd's doing one. We've talked about doing one uh, or more, you know. So uh, I, I would imagine that these things are just kind of going to be the norm going forward. People are going to continue to run them. And I think that's sweet. Yeah, huge opportunity for the community. I encourage you to take advantage of them and and look into where these offerings are coming from. I miss the unofficial circuit of fandom legends so much. I know I talk about it all the time, but it was such a great experience and it it really gave a lot of metagame churn. It gave extremely, extremely high quality play environments with incredible, incredible players on a regular basis. Uh, I miss it. And it looks like people are stepping up to carry the torch in the absence of that series. Maybe we'll see the return of that. Obviously, financial time is very uncertain right now, so it's hard to imagine a huge tournament series getting off the ground. But you never know. Maybe someone sees this as an opportunity. Yeah, when when I thought about doing our own sort of tournament series or even just like a one-off, like I wanted to do some you know pretty sizable prize pool that just like comes from us because I think it's it would be cool and be a good way to give back to the community. And now. I am a little more apprehensive to do something along those lines. So you'll probably see something that's more like a bunch of smaller tournaments rather than like one big 10K tournament or something. But I, I think that's kind of more valuable right now. It's just like finding opportunities Opportunity. yeah, for, for people to spend their time and engage with magic in a, a way that they want to and are used to. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's this weird tension right now. And I, I know you feel it too because you feel very similarly about charity as I do like giving is not something that happens in spots for me. It's kind of how I live my life. Like I, I try to on a regular basis be supporting people and things and causes I care about. And it is rare in most circumstances that a week goes by without me giving some portion of my income to some cause I see suitable and now there's this weird tension and it's it's so hard on me because I see something pop up and I go, I need to support this person. That's how I live my life. And then I go, well, I don't know what my life is going to look like six months from now. And it gives me this right. moment of pause and I'm having a really hard time reckoning that because it's become such an integral part of you know my value system and how I live my life. And it just feels so weird right now. And I'm hoping like time will bring some stability and I can get back to a place where I don't have that moment of you know, am I putting my family at risk by making this decision right now? We'll see. Hopefully everything gets back to a stable place sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think I'm probably more on like the every couple weeks, I'll like find something that I, I really want to support and give money to. So maybe I'm on the lower end of you, but I definitely feel the same way. This thing popped up in my feed uh, either yesterday or the day before where this, this, thing called RJ Film School on Twitter uh, is trying to do a thing where people, they're encouraging people to make like a short movie or video uh, while also practicing social distancing. So they have rules where it's just like, you know, no, no groups, nothing like that. Like you can record it with whatever you want and blah, blah, blah. Right. And uh, Jimmy Wong quote tweeted it and 
said, because I love RJ Film School so much, I'll give $200 to my personal favorite film and $200 to a charity of their choice. And then Josh Lee Kwai quote tweeted Jimmy and said, okay, I'm in for the same deal as, as Jimmy. And I was just like, God, I want to get on, in on this so much. And it's just like, I, I just don't think that I should right now, which sucks. Yeah. And it's this immense feeling of like guilt and am I being selfish when that is not how I ever want to be? And I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm kind of like, we're, we're doing a little therapy for ourselves right now, I think on on a live show, but there's going to be moments like this for sure where while we deal with this uncertainty, I don't have any good answers, but if you're feeling similar things, listener, I promise I empathize with you right now. Right. And I mean, obviously it's, we're, we're not in the position where it's like we, we have some amount of money to give, right? Like we are definitely in a privileged position and compared to a lot of people that are just existing in the States and even all over the world right now, it's like our, our situation is pretty good. I mean, I did say, I don't know if I'm going to have a job in six months, but for right now I'm, I'm okay, you know, and I'm certainly thankful for that. And I don't want to be like first world problem complaining that I don't think I should be giving a bunch of money to, to charities right now or whatever. But it, like you said, it's it's a fairly big part of my identity at this point and it, it hurts. And I want to yep. find other ways to kind of like scratch that and do good. So, yeah. And that's a big part of where my desire to lift other content creators up comes from. Uh, if there is a way I can help with my reach or my, you know, presence, I, I will do my best to do so. Yeah. Knowledge even. And I, I think sure. that's, that's like the, the thing that we have is knowledge and now more so than a month ago is time. Right. So we can certainly afford to give back a little bit of those things. And that helps. It's not helping in the the ways that we're used to or whatever, but I definitely feel that it should, I don't know, just make us feel a little bit better, feel like we're contributing. So listen to that brain. Listen to what Jerry's saying. I know, feel better. I know, like <laughs> I, I can't even like say that confidently, right? I because know. like I, I know, know I know that it won't necessarily work, but it like it should. Yeah. Rationally, it should. It should. Anyway, I guess this this wasn't a thing that I really had slated to talk about, but it, it does kind of fit the mold where it's like you and I, and I think everyone else, like especially like the people who are trying to engage in competitive magic, it's like you have these things that make up part of your identity and you need to scratch those itches, but you can't necessarily go on doing things the same way that you were able to do before, even if it's just like, you know, Fridays I go with my friends or whatever, right? It's like, you can't necessarily do those same, same things anymore, but it's like, you can certainly recognize where those needs and wants come from and try and figure out other ways that will fill those voids. Yeah. Find your stand-ins. That's what really this show is all about finding stand-ins for the things that we saw as normal just a few weeks ago. Uh, they're going to need replacements and there's good ones out there. You just have to work uh, and, and be open to creative solutions. And I, I know that I'm going to say this to myself several times, like this isn't the same, you know, it's, it's not as enjoyable as the other thing. And it's like, well, maybe this other thing is not an option. So does it really matter? You know, is this the, the best way to go about, 
uh, scratching that itch that I have, or maybe I should still continue to look for possible solutions. I mean, there, there are a lot of knobs to turn, right? Like you can try out a lot of different things in order to fill those gaps. You know what this sounds like, right? What? This sounds like a bad standard format where you could just say, well, packing it in, done with the standard, or you can turn the knobs and you can try and adapt and you can be like, well, this is what I have. So why not focus on ways to make this better? It's, it's a very similar approach that we take to magic as an actual game, as opposed to just a social thing. Like we are always trying to look for those knobs, trying to find ways to make the best of what we have. And now the life metagame is kind of messed up for a little while and we have to find ways to break it. <laughs> Watsy, please ban. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, magic has made it so I use a lot of those same thinking patterns in real life. You know, like what you're saying is right, where it's like that is basically how I approach a format where it's like I have a tournament coming up and I don't plan on skipping it. And the format is, quote unquote, bad or unfun, unhealthy, whatever. And it's like, well, this is this is reality. This is what exists. This is what the constraints are. What can I do to exist and thrive within this? And yeah, certainly when we're talking about life in general right now, that's it's just the exact same thing. Anyway, uh, last thing on entertainment is utilizing technology. And I think uh, Olivia has done a very good job of this, uh, Affinity for Artifacts, where she she and a bunch of her friends will use Discord to and like a, a webcam to record like a playmat-sized battlefield, and they'll share that with each other and then stream games of Commander that way, like stream four-player games of Commander. And I, I think that that is just a way, again, like we're talking about reaching out to like old friends and stuff. I mean, you couldn't necessarily play magic with those friends if they're far away from you or whatever. But if it's getting to the point where it's like, well, we're just going to do things through Discord more often than we used to. I mean, like this is a cool way to also just like hang out with those people that you wouldn't normally get to hang out with. Yeah, I've seen a lot of talk about people just setting up webcam setups and broadcasting their battlefield to other people. And that's that's wild. I, I love it. I think it's an awesome way to maintain that bond with your physical cards. And I do have a bond with my physical cards. Like I just like holding them and looking at them. Those things are important to me. They make me happy. And completely being ostracized from that is tough. And I think using these creative solutions like webcamming, real good way to still get some value from them. I really haven't shuffled physical cards in like three weeks. Pick them up. Get to shuffling. It'll feel good. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Yeah, I should just I should just keep a deck on my couch so I can shuffle and like goldfish and stuff. Good idea. Uh, I spend a lot of time like sorting and organizing cards. I've been in the midst of a complete collection overhaul, basically moving all my stuff from binders to boxes and putting everything into the second sleeves, like the internal clear sleeves, KMC Perfect Fit hards. Trying to move my entire collection into those. So those cards are so bad. They're so good. Uh, They're so bad. <laughs> you borrowed my double sleeve deck with the hearts. You didn't like it, I'm assuming? No, I played around and gave it back. Yeah. I, I am used to them now. I enjoy them. And my main concern was just like preserving my collection, keeping it safe. I think they do a very good job of that. But regardless, the fact that I've been going through this process means I have spent a lot of time with my hands on some magic cards. No, that's cool. Uh, I, I did a lot of 
packing and sorting before I moved. So I think I'm mostly good on that front. Obviously, there are, you know, iterations that I could make and everything, you know, like, oh, I guess I'll sort things by color or whatever or whatever. I don't know. But dude, my my hands would need to be like 30% bigger in order to use the triple sleeve decks that you have, triple sleeve and foil. I got those musician hands. I'm able to manage it, which is funny as I say it, because I, I know I'm not. For whatever reason, I can't handle magic cards. <laughs> you would think I would have more talented hands. I just don't. Yeah. As far as the learning stuff is concerned, I think research is another thing that you could do. Just, you know, practice metagaming, practice deck building. I don't want to harp on this too much, but like there there is a bunch of things that you could do to try and increase your overall skill level in magic in this time. And it's, it's not really fun, right? I mean, I, I think that learning is fun, but it's like, all right, I'm going to hype myself up and like sit down to take this test or whatever. You know, no one really wants to do that. But again, I think that you can do the entertainment stuff while also trying to learn things. Yeah, they should be in combination with each other. And don't worry, we will get back to metagaming, deck building, all that good stuff next week. You can follow along with us and, uh, you know, apply some of our processes to what you're doing right now. Yeah. And then it doesn't all have to be magic, too. Uh, even as far as like the content creation stuff is concerned. I mean, uh, Runeterra, Legends of Runeterra is out. It's good. I haven't played a ton, but my roommate, uh, my former roommate was playing a lot before I left. So it's like I know a lot of the cards and the decks and, and what's good and everything. Very good base game. It's going to be great when this when the card pool gets large. Yeah, and I, I think so too. And I'll probably play it more when it comes to mobile. But as far as like firing up my laptop and you know playing games and stuff, I, I don't know. I'm not not really about it. I'd much rather like play on my phone for whatever reason. And then I've played a decent amount of Pokemon in the last few months. And Animal Crossing is coming out hopefully, which is not really my jam, but I know a lot of people are super excited for it. And I think that that is just a thing that people could dive deep into. Yeah, certainly a good time waster. I'll put another plug in for Hearthstone Battlegrounds. I think as far as like the auto chess game design style of things goes, it is the pinnacle of the genre right now. I think it's much better than Teamfight Tactics or the original Dota auto chess. I've played them all. I enjoy the format a lot. I think it's a very big advancement in game design. It does a lot of unique things that seem kind of obvious in retrospect, but they just killed it. Uh, but I think the Hearthstone Battleground setup is both the simplest and the deepest at the same time, which is a really, really nice place to be. I've enjoyed the game a bunch. I don't play hardcore, but like every night I'll play two or three games before I go to bed while I'm lying there waiting to get tired and have enjoyed all of them. There were some bad patches, but the last patch was the best the game has ever been and a new patch just came out yesterday which seems pretty interesting thus far so definitely okay. recommend that game a lot i uninstalled hearthstone after the blitzjunk stuff i understand and i don't fault anyone for taking that stance i have weighed that as well i'm playing the game right now i i can't say i'm entirely justified in doing so maybe if i was a better person i would take your stance but uh here we are no that's fine i mean uh, we'll we'll see what happens in, in the next coming months, like Hearthstone, I, I still follow like a decent amount of people who are involved in Hearthstone just because they're rad, like, you know, Frodan Kibler, uh, admirable to some degree, although he's, he's mostly out at this point, but, uh, Hearthstone just had a bunch of like pretty big announcements to you that looked sort of sweet. So yeah, I saw that. I, I, I would not fault anyone for playing that game. Obviously, you know, live your life, continue to do what you want to do. Right. And find something that, 
makes you happy and scratches that itch, fills that void and everything. In in the meantime, I will, I don't know, whale it up for some other game. Yeah, it's really hard to find uh, content that lines up with all of your ethics, right? Like you, you could drive yourself crazy, even just like food that you buy or any product you buy, getting one that's entirely in line with your ethics is almost impossible. You should try. I'm not saying it's a, a futile effort, but we all have lines that we have to draw. And I, I guess mine falls at battlegrounds. I don't know. I don't know. Even magic is uh, sponsored by HP Omen and they sure, you know, support the Israeli military and provide them with all their tech and stuff. So it's like, that's that's also not like a good look, and I am definitely morally opposed to that. But I don't know. At this point, with magic, it's like I'm in kind of deep. This is my job, and you know, whenever people call for like walkouts or people to quit or whatever, it's like I I get it. Like, yeah, your company is doing like some some bad stuff that you are opposed to, but like you you need to be employed. You know, gotta eat. Yeah. No ethical consumption under capitalism, I believe, is how it goes. Yep, that is basically it. So, yeah, as, as far as like me trying to find where to draw the line, I don't know. I'm like, I'm sure I've done a lot of things that are hypocritical too, right? Sure, so, we all do. It's it's almost impossible not to. I'm I'm not taking too much pride in the fact that like I'm not playing Hearthstone or I uninstalled it or whatever. It's just like th- this is just a choice that I'm going to make, and I'm I'm going to be happy with it. You know. Word, I support your choice. Uh, last possible thing is Magic OP kind of still exists, right? Like there are still Magic Online PTQs. There are still arena things. Whether or not these big tournaments fire and in what capacity, we don't know yet. But they're they're slated. They're on the schedule. And at some point they are going to happen. And I don't think that this is a bad time to try and qualify. You know, if... Like even if you don't get to play the tournament for six months, for six months you get to be like, "Yo, I, I, I'm cued for this upcoming tournament," you know. And maybe that's kind of bad, I guess, because then it precludes you from playing other PTQs, which sort of sucks. But yeah, that's the thing I, I didn't really think about until now. Yes. So here's the thing: I like that this exists. It's good that it exists. I encourage your efforts to try and qualify. I think it's a fine way to spend your time. At some point, though, if you are taking people's money as they pursue qualifications, you need to put some contingency plans in place. And I'm fine with those contingency plans being this event is going to happen online. I I think that's completely acceptable. It's weird, but it's acceptable. And it might just be the new future we're dealing with. I mean, international travel might not be the same for a very, very long period of time, even domestic travel. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have... In the past few days, seen news articles that are talking 18-month timeframes at this point. So that's a very real possibility. And as long as that remains a possibility, I think it's time to get your contingency plans running, talk about moving these tournaments entirely online for the foreseeable future. Because you can't have the qualification for PT2 last in perpetuity and you can't do qualifications for pt3 and pt4 and pt5 when pt2 still hasn't happened like you're just going to backlog all this stuff forever it doesn't really make a lot of sense so it might be time for like an actual stand-in tournament series it might be time to divert a lot of the budget although i i guarantee they're just happy to put the money back in their coffers at this point given how financially the company is doing um, and financially how everyone is doing. So I get why you don't want to just start up a new series with the money. 
but if you want to keep selling Magic Online and keep selling Arena, I do think you need some pro play in place. And I think it's got to look a lot different than it does now. So I would prefer a replacement system. I understand the magnitude of what I'm asking for. There's no way this was going to be ready now. There's no way it's going to be ready a month from now. I would like to know it's being considered and worked on, though. I am fine with participation in these events in the short term, but I am just putting out a call that at some point we need a long-term plan. Yeah, it would not surprise me if uh, so. they forwarded all the Houston invites to the event after it, right? Right. And I would not be shocked if that event was held online. And then maybe some point down the line after that, they come up with some sort of new system or whatever. I, I would assume that they're talking about it, the, the way that so. things are going. I, I don't have any like inside detail on that, but like just knowing them, I, I would expect that they're they're trying to figure this out and handle it. I mean, they have sets coming out, right? Like you still need to sell those sets. And granted, like the, the vast majority of people who bought sets were like tabletop players, but still, I think that you need Arena and Magic Online to continue functioning and you need uh, some amount of organized play on those platforms in order to make that happen really. So right. they, they have to be working on it. And, and let's be frank. If I was wizards, my focus would be right now, these online platforms, because how many people are buying paper magic cards when you can't go play paper magic anywhere? Not even like your casual EDH group. They, they can't get together. Like there has to be some downturn in that market. And I think like they are anticipating that downturn, but if I was looking for a way to move forward in a very new world, my focus would be on digital initiatives and digital OP. It just makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, if, if people are able to play from their home, and I'm, I'm sure they have numbers to look at this, where it's like if, if Magic Online and Arena just kind of like surge in numbers, they at that point, it's like, they have at, that, at that point, do something. Yeah. I mean, we saw like the most concurrent Steam users ever. Yeah. Uh, just recently, I, I've seen reports seventy five percent increase in gaming since this all started. So, <laughs> dude, I believe that uh, yeah, the PlayStation numbers were huge. Nintendo's yep. online stuff was down for multiple hours just because yeah, of Battle. server Dot overload. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of services down. And that's it. That's what people are doing with their time because you know what the hell else can you do, right? And it makes sense. Yeah. So. Let's keep our fingers crossed. That's in the works. Uh, people at Wizards are very smart. I know they understand the magnitude of this problem. And I think they also are contemplating ways to go forward in a new world because that seems to be the core. If you take nothing else away, take that away. It's a new world. Things are different. And uh, I hope we're set up for Magic to continue to succeed in that new world. I'm sure we are. It's the best game ever made. I, I think so too. I just... I, I don't know how it affects us again. You know, uh, I, I don't think that the podcast success is predicated on there being live tournaments, but I do think that, you know, our, our success is predicated on patrons and we've been losing patrons and I don't fault those people whatsoever. You know, just at, at some point, like money's going to get tough for a lot of people. And I don't know what we're going to do because kind of put all my eggs in this basket, but we'll see. The old magic basket. You just thought you'd get to play paper magic forever. And uh, kind of, yeah. kind of. Yeah, I understand. There's a lot of I, things I thought we would get to do forever. <laughs> yeah, but who knows? Uh, regardless, uh, stock up on QPs via prelims, uh, especially if you're like working from home and have 
flexible hours. That's that's the last thing that I wanted to talk about as far as like trying to qualify. I mean, the pre the prelim system was very, very bad, but now I think it has opened up for a lot of people. And I played in a pioneer one on Tuesday that had like 70 people. So it seems like more people are playing in them. Okay. I still hate it. I still think I know DTQ shouldn't be gated, but uh, I, like I, said, I, I understand why they're there. And yeah, maybe it is time to just concede and get into the prelims. Well, the, the main complaint was I don't have time for this. Right. And I think a lot of people have time for it now. But yeah, I agree. The The better thing to do would be to gate it in a different way. Because now if, if more people are playing and you're going to have like thousand player modern PTQs or whatever, obviously that's not really feasible as far as like, you know, servers and stuff like that. I mean, I think that eventually there will be problems, but yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, at times of Magic Online's peak use, there was definite capacity issues. And I can't imagine they were heavily invested in given the shift to Arena. So certainly a real issue. Yep. Uh, but yeah, those those ways do exist still. You can still chase them. It is, again, nebulous as far as like what the rewards for that will actually be. But I do think that they are not planning on leaving anyone hanging. And Maybe you don't get to do the live PT thing, which I think is huge. Uh, it's just a great experience for a lot of people, especially if it's your first time. But uh, you get to play some really good magic from the comfort of your home. That's not bad either, if, if it ends up coming to that. Sure. Yeah, we also uh, took a bunch of questions from the people in our Discord, and we got some good ones. So I think we're just going to answer a few of them. Yeah, it feels like a time when people have a lot of questions and uh, a lot of uncertainty. If we can help give our takes, answer any of them, happy to do so. So yeah, let's take two or three this week. Okay, so uh, first question comes from Will Pulliam. He asks, with all the SCGs getting canceled, I haven't played Magic in almost three weeks. I love Magic, but I need a goal to try to achieve. What should my new goal be? What options do I have? And do you have any tips on how to approach them? Uh, we, we did cover a lot of this in the cast, but I agree that the the mindset thing is very important because a lot of people are just kind of like, well, you know, what do I do? Like, yeah, I have magic online and arena, but they just like open the program and just kind of stare at it. At least that's been my experience. You know, it's like, what, what am I working towards here? And we talked about a lot of it where it's like, you can try and learn. You can just try and be like, Hey, I want to sit down and entertain myself. You can continue trying to qualify, which for Will, I think is probably a good place to be, but I, I actually don't know what his goal explicitly was before all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, if your if your goal is to qualify or to win or to be the best Magic player you can possibly be, I think that the those things, those goals are still tangible. Yeah, I, I think in Will's case, the the sting is particularly intense because Will was second on the SCG leaderboard right now. Is that a bug or a feature, right? Because like now well, he's he's second with fewer events. So I don't, assume, I don't know. Assuming <laughs> we get to come back and play Magic at some point, I would agree with that. It, it depends how far out we are from that being a realistic possibility. So it could be a feature for sure, but it certainly leaves him without purpose. Like he was very focused on that goal, certainly was trying to get himself in position for the Players' Championship. And now that goal has been taken away from him. And I can understand being like, well, what am I doing in this space right now? And I've felt that myself over the past few years with the change of OP. It used to be very clear. I was going to a PTQ this weekend because I was going to play this PT and try and get some pro points and chain that into gold or platinum or whatever my goal was. That was a very clear, direct path that I had wrapped my head around. And now that's absent. 
And I think that's the sting that people are really feeling in this moment. So you can create your own goals, and I think that's good, but I still think there is a place for some type of online series. And I know like, well, I don't even know this. So here's the problem. I think the mock still exists in some form. It's not a good representation of this though. There's better applications of it. And if, again, if I was Wizards trying to seize on this moment and the move to online gaming, I would really be thinking about what I could do to have some really clear OP systems in place for the next period of time, however long this all lasts. Yeah. Figure out what you want, set a goal, figure out how to achieve it. I think that's the the best way to go about things. Uh, Tim Frank, what new innovations do you think will come of this? Can we find some positives for the game that could potentially be inspired by all of this? Uh, We kind of hinted on this a little bit, but like if OP gets more robust online, I think that is a huge net positive. It's also possible that with more players playing the game online and, you know, deck lists getting published from leagues and stuff like that, it's like maybe we just see more innovation in decks in general, which would also be cool. I think those are great points. I think this is also a great opportunity for players to experiment with new formats. Maybe they'll fall in love with those new formats. And like you said, that could cause innovation. It's also going to be a lot of people's first exposure to these rental models on Magic Online. And I think those models will continue to generate success and keep somehow against all odds Magic Online afloat as a platform <laughs> into the future. It, it, it really is a great way to engage with Magic. And I think a lot of people are going to see that. Yeah, I agree too. And then we'll see how it evolves from there. You know, I mean, between Magic Online and Arena, I think there is a very solid offering for Magic players, kind of like no matter what your engagement with Magic is. I mean, Magic Online has a a pretty good uh, commander scene, and I imagine that that's not going anywhere. And Arena has things like Brawl, and they have these fun formats and Cube, and I think we'll see a lot of alternative cues, basically, whether it's just like, all right, you know, Cube is always up. Brawl is always up. We are actually doing some historic OP or whatever. Like, I think things like that could just expand. Yeah. And also people's attention for these more casual formats and could even re-inspire a lot of just love of magic, like baseline, enjoyable social magic. Once it's taken away from you, you might realize just how much you miss it and people could find some really interesting ways to get back into it. I think that would be glorious, man. Yeah. It is it is seriously the difference between going to like Hunter Burton or uh, the Command Fest that I went to versus going to a Grand Prix. And the people in the former events are just having fun engaging with magic, which is beautiful and not something that I'd really been around in a very long time. And then the GP stuff is like it's it's a lot of people hanging out and having fun with their friends, but it's also a lot of people who don't get to realize their dreams on that particular weekend. And it's, it can be uh, kind of soul crushing. Maybe that's a little heavy handed, but you know, it's disappointing. Right. And magic at the end of the day can just be a source of entertainment and you can still focus on trying to do well and being the best magic player you can possibly be. But ultimately like we're here because we all love this game. And if we find ways to express that, I think that's just, huge for every single magic player yeah magic as richard garfield intended is thrown around as a meme a lot 
but this is actually what it means. Like just a fun game that brings people together. We could be seeing a shift towards that. One more question I wanted to hit up. This one comes from Ganewo, maybe, possibly. Uh, they ask, do you think Watsi should push paper releases to a later date? And I think that is such a hard question to answer because if you go back five days ago, I say, no, that's nonsense. And right now it feels like, uh, I don't think so. I, I think you probably just want to stick to your schedule. But if you ask me five days from now and things continue to evolve at the rate they're evolving, it just might be a hard yes. I mean, it just might be that you don't have the infrastructure space to be shipping boxes of magic cards around. You want to use that for necessities and supplies. And I don't know. I don't know how things are going to change. I, I guess my advice would be to stay flexible. And that's probably near impossible for Watsi, given the scale of the distribution of magic cards and how far in advance they have to do everything. I don't have an answer. And that is what comes up over and over as I talk about things like, should, I mean, go back a week ago, should this tournament cancel? Should, should that tournament be canceled? I don't have an answer. I don't know because everything is so uncertain. So my instinct is that right now they probably should try and hold the release date and give people something to look forward to. But I just don't know if that's going to hold. Right. And a lot of the distribution came through LGSs. So now what happens with them. like, right. With a lot of LGSs like closing down, how do they get it out to the people necessarily? Like, do they have to incur now extra shipping costs on top of everything? Do the distributors handle sales directly? Does Wizards? I mean, we've we've seen kind of messes with uh, things like that uh, through eBay and whatever. And I, I don't know, like, even, even if you ignore the question of like, should they or shouldn't they? Like, how? How is a how? huge question. Yeah. I mean, Amazon isn't, they're not fulfilling orders on non-essential goods at this point. So it's right. not even like they can distribute it through Amazon. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It's also weird because it's like, is entertainment <laughs> a priority thing? And it's like, I, I don't know. I kind of think it is. But I mean, realistically, there are probably things that exist that could entertain you that you don't necessarily need to order. And obviously, if you're making space for toilet paper or food in your Amazon warehouses, that's more important. But yeah, it's, it's just a, a really tough question to answer from a logistical side of things. But I think ignoring all that, if you just ask, should they release it? Should they not? No matter what, I think the, the sales are just going to be a, a fraction of what they would have been under normal circumstances. But I, I, I think that they should, if they can, just release it as is because it creates some amount of normalcy. But I also don't know how that's going to happen. But as far as like uh, Arena and Magic Online and stuff like that, I think it makes sense for them to just drop the sets there. Well, I mean, that's a bigger part of the problem in my eyes is that your paper releases are tied to your digital releases. And there's no question that they want to be going forward with digital stuff. Like that is just how they're going to stay afloat through all of this. So the fact that there is a paper product tied to that digital release is where things get really complicated because it could be straight up impossible to distribute this paper product. Do you still put out the digital product in that scenario? I think the answer has to be yes, but like what happens in the future with that set? Is it later distributed in, in paper? Like the whole, the whole thing is completely mind blowing. And I 
don't know how it all plays out. I really don't. It feels so uncertain at this point. It's going to be some tough decisions ahead and no answers here. Yeah. You know what would be dope though? You know what I would be excited to do is like play a pre-release online this weekend. You know, I, I like, I feel like a lot of people would just be like, yes, thank you. I know. You know like, I, yeah, I, I want to participate in this. So. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's the thing. Like online, this is a no brainer. You 100% should be full steam ahead. Get these sets out to people. Uh, it will help them. It will keep your company afloat. It, it's it's just a good thing to do. But I, I don't know how you're getting paper product out to people right now. Yeah, me either. Uh, I, we'll, we'll wait and see. It, that is an excellent question, though. Well, that feels like a downer note to end this cast on. I, I mean, I, I don't know that we we're going to get out of here with a positive note. Do you want to tell us more about your cats before we leave? Are they doing anything particularly cute right now? Uh, Ren was in here exploring and I have a couple bookshelves set up and like some of them have shelves that I don't know, are just like safe for him to be on. And then the other one, like one of the other shelves has like uh, a bunch of like tchotchke type things that he definitely could have knocked down and i was like kind of turning around while the podcast was happening and i was just like don't do it ren don't don't get up there because that's gonna make like a big noise and it's gonna be awkward and you know we just made eye contact and he's just like yeah i'm off it and he just like hopped onto the ground and left the office so one of one of my favorite cat behaviors on the planet is when they just look you square in the soul oh yeah yeah slowly just- extend a paw and just knock your object off of something yeah. Cats are great. Cats are great. Cats are, in fact, game. Good luck.